Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you raise your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. <laughs> I'm Allison. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. Good. This is a, a, po- this a, a podcast uh, where we ruin a horror movie just for you. Allison, how, how are you doing? For you. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm indulging in, um, I think it's going to be allegedly a big drink this summer, even though I've been doing it for a long time. It's um, doing a cold brew with tonic. Oh, I've had espresso and tonic. Yeah, yeah. It's more common to do it with, like, espresso, but I just have, like, cold brew concentrate. Um, but it even works, like, I do the Grady's cold brew and then, Ooh, like, half tonic. Good. And it's just, like, you know, once you pass the 12 p.m. mark, I'm, like, I don't need, like, a full, like, insane coffee. Yeah. But I still want a little caffeine, a little coffee drink. And it's it's a halfway between a cocktail and a coffee. It's it's heaven. So, highly recommend. Um, I, I feel like, I, I think it's just my old age. I, gin and tonic was my drink, and now I've gotten away from it just because of the sugar. Mm-hmm. I just, I end up having, like, terrible migraines the next yeah. day. Um, but I do still love tonic. <laughs> and so well, like, maybe this, this is my way no, in. You know, gin has sugar, like, alcohol has sugar, and then, ton- like, quinine has sugar. So it's like, this is just only the tonic side, not also the alcohol. So maybe maybe it's doable. And also, let's be honest, I'm not drinking five of those in an evening knowing yeah me. you're just gonna have so. one in the afternoon maybe so it's uh exactly. it's been a really lovely uh little little drink how are you doing um i'm okay um uh, i'm trying to Any think horrors um uh, coming your way i mean um we i'm trying to think oh this isn't a horror but it is my uh we are, of course, doing this is Mommy Issues Month, and my that parents means- are coming to visit this month. Ooh, we have they do something seen with them. this apartment? No, they haven't. So I really got to pull myself together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really got to. Oh, yeah, my my um my TV's still on the ground. I yeah. need to get a I need to get a rug. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, it looks like I am a twenty one I feel like it's a bachelor pad for a mm-hmm. very young man. Sure. And I don't know whether that's just because I'm dating women now and I do what I'm like, oh, I can't bring a woman home here yet. Yes. Right. Like there has to be a little more sense to what they would yeah. be seeing. Especially yes. women our age. I'd be like yes. they're if we're yeah. was twenty one, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Right. That makes total sense. Now I my living room is so Spartan as to I think be a huge red flag to yeah. anyone who would be uh, coming over. Um, unless I lied and said I just moved in, which I did, but it was months ago now. I just haven't, haven't really gotten a ton of furniture. I think that, um, like, six months is where, like, that's, I'm, like, six okay. months at a place you can, like, be like, I've been wait, I've been trying to find the right thing. I've been looking. Like, I think it's, like, if I walked over to somebody's place and they were, like, yeah, sorry, I only have a couch and, like, one chair. I just, I you know, I moved in a couple months ago. I'd be like, yeah, all right. That works. And not for nothing, LA is so fucking expensive. And New York is too. Where it's like, every time I look at it, I'm like, I I mean, again, to buy a rug, 
it, yeah. it that's how you know you make made it is you can buy a rug that's not a piece of paper that you put yes. on the floor. Yes. With a drawing printed on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm working on it. That's why we're doing this podcast. Um, but, yeah, my, my parents are visiting. I should do something with my mother. Uh, my mother always used to tell me about how she was reading Stephen King's It when she was pregnant with me, and then she could never finish it. Because when she had a baby, she's like, oh, no. No, 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 no. All the kids in here were also someone's baby. Yes. Which is a pretty common experience, I think, of, you know, like, any any kind of parent. Having once you have a child, child yeah. it's like, oh, no, everyone's a child. Oh, I I have a child. Like sort of the childness yes. of yes. life is expe- you experience it in a different way where it's like, oh shit. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um with that in mind, we're doing a, another movie, a movie from 2013, a movie I hadn't seen in a minute. I think I saw this in the theater. Absolutely love this movie. I mean, blasted a fucking half, man. What a kickoff to Mommy Month. And uh yeah, the movie is of course 2013's Mama and uh Speaking of the new It, uh, Mama it was directed by the one of the directors of the new It. His name is um, Andy uh, Muschietti, mm-hmm. Andres Muschietti, and he's an Argentinian, uh, Argentinian uh, filmmaker. And Mama is based on a short film of his from 2008 called Mama, which makes sense. Well, that tracks. And it's so good. I absolutely love it. Oh, he wrote it with his uh, wife, Barbara. And Guillermo del Toro served as executive producer. And as soon as, if you were, once you saw the trailer, I feel like it does have a Guillermo del Toro vibe to it, for sure. Yes. And very, in a very fun twist, Jessica Chastain stars in this, which we love to see an A-list actor in, not that this isn't a good horror movie, but like, a smaller, the Jessica Chastains of the world, Mm -hmm. this she doesn't do a lot of horror. You know, like no. she is someone, it was shocking to see her pop up. Yes. Um, and an absolute treat. And then her husband is played by, oh God, I'm sorry, um, Nicola William Coster Waldo, mm-hmm. um, who's also from Game of Thrones. Oh. And it a, is- A show we've both never seen. <laughs> yes, but we have heard of it, so yes. please don't be mad That's at us. That's enough. Um, but yeah, they, it is- it, horror being one of the few um, genres of film where you could hire a nobody, it is fun to see, not simply two somebodies, but two of the hottest people to ever live. Like, yeah. if, if this happened in real life, everyone would be like, we have to talk about your daughters. Oh my God, are you both models? Like, they're so <laughs> shockingly beautiful compared to, like, everyone else in the movie is like a normal person. Yeah. Like, if Jessica Chastain came into your office, you'd be like, like, don't look at me. Yeah, I can't be in the same room. We can't just, like, go about our business and not address how you look. Please, I'm begging you. Um, So let's begin. We are ruining uh, Mama. Allison, we always like to have Allison react to the trailer. Allison, what are your thoughts about the trailer uh, uh, to Mama? I didn't like this one at uh-huh. all. Um, Let's I get think, the like, specifics. I, what do you not like about it? Okay, well, just like the like general, like the like unattended feral children. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really mm-hmm. scary, I think like the unpredictability of children in general is always okay. kind of creepy because um, they don't live in the same like society that we do. So like they'll say things and do things out of place even when they're not um, being tormented by perhaps their dead mother or a demon of some kind. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't like all of the drawings on the wall that they were doing. Um, I don't know how large that feature is in the actual movie, but it's like you, it's you know, pretty. It's, yeah, they're they're pretty extensive. I would like say. a back, like a upside down back, like a like a figure doing a walking around a on a, in a backhand back bend. Yeah, that mm-hmm. I didn't 
I didn't like that uh, one bit. And it's I'm just impressive like, to see. That's impressive to see in real life. In a, yes. it, it was drawn by a child on a wall. It, it invites a lot of questions. And then you know, I guess like I'm just like, who is? Mama, like what happened? I don't want to know, but I very much do. You know, um, it is, we've talked so much of daddies on this this program. And to speak finally of mommies. um, And this is, I would say a mama, but she's a mother, right? She is, this is a woman with, you you give the full weight of the word to. Uh, We always like to take a baseline scary. Allison, how scary do you find the concept of motherhood? I mean, absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> and and you, have you always felt like you didn't want kids? Like, or was it always yeah. something you knew, or was it something that you like sort of came to with age? I recognize, like, I could. It wasn't that I like from birth was like, oh no, I'm not prepared for the responsibilities emotionally and physically of motherhood. And you but, wouldn't like, be at birth if you were well, a baby taking care of another baby. That babies would be a babies. Lot. But. I think it's like over time I started recognizing that I could tell other people did have that in them, like that desire to be yeah. a parent. And then I was like, I was like, oh, I'm recognizing the absence of something in me. Like it's not an aversion. Like I I love kids. I like am not weird with them. I get along with all my friends' kids. Like I think they're wonderful. But like I was like, oh, this is doing nothing in my brain to make me like want. And now that I, I was like, oh, I wonder if, like, getting a cat will, like, make me understand. And I'm just like, oh, it only makes me like cats more and, like, more <laughs> confident that I, like, absolutely have no interest in parenting another human. Yeah, I, I've I've also felt very, I think, conflicted about it. Like, I love mm-hmm. babies. And yeah. the idea of being pregnant, I think, is baby. cool. Mm, but there is something to the, um, sort of the starkness of, like, it's an an irreversible experience. Right? Well, that is the the permanence of it. Yeah, and is like, intimidating to say the least. And what it I, I understand that pregnancy sounds like it could be cool, but like I don't know. It sounds so. It's scary. very body horror. I don't know it's something about horror. that. I'm like there. You know, I don't know, just like making a little guy out of like the stuff yeah. you eat. No, that to like, me is the appeal. That sounds fun, honestly. Cool but. in a way that I never want to personally experience. Yeah, and it also just depends. Like, you pregnancy, like, people, you know, it, it varies so wildly. wildly. Yes. And, also, and we don't Jesus. study it. And we don't study it. And in America, I mean, our mortality rates for mothers are horrible. Yeah. Like, black, black mothers, mothers get horrific awful. treatment. So it makes something that is already so vulnerable and so so difficult even more isolating and difficult, obviously. Yes. And I, I've heard this from, like, two— two friends who are married with children that I was like, damn, this is a really excellent point. If this way. Like, I just hadn't thought of it this way where both of them said essentially, um, and I'll name them. My friend Megan O'Connell, she writes for the romper, which is a parenting yeah. website. A lot of great stuff. Friend of the pod. And then a wonderful writer, uh, Mary Lords, uh, who mm-hmm. I knew in New York and lives here. Yes. Basically like the thing about having kids is even when you become a mother, people still treat you like a woman. So wow, yeah, that's, yeah, right. Ooh, dark because motherhood <laughs> is, and you know, again, like someone who was so recently straight, and you know, I was going to be a stepmother and loved, you know, my ex's son and had a great time. To be fair, he was like a toddler when I met him, so maybe right. you know, I mean, like the babyness of it is very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is like, you, you know, you're as a, 
for all women who are so all and all women are supposed to be straight. And I guess in the situation, presumed cis obviously is mm-hmm. like your role is to conceive and carry a child, and that is sort of part of your fate for a you know a yes. cis man, and that is the program. And when you even when you do it, you are still like people still treat you as all women are treated, which is yes. Like you're a dumbass. Like yep. you are. Like you are just. Every decision you make is questioned. Yeah. You are supposed to just. This is supposed to be natural. So there is no one. Sort of talks about the support you need or the mental health. Like you have yeah. to find all that stuff yourself, which yes. is incredibly difficult and in our country and, and yeah. to begin with. And I hadn't really thought of it in exactly that way. It's like, damn. Like even when you do what you're supposed to do and achieve that thing, I guess not achieve. I guess that's how I think of it in my head. Yeah. Like even when you you you. Uh, and, you, and, and want children. I mean, these people who wanted right. children, like they love their children, but it's the experience of like, oh, okay, so like we're still out here just disrespecting me. Like I, yeah. I have this incredibly grueling, difficult job that requires a lot of like introspection and emotional like stability, and people are still just disrespect you. I yeah. don't know. I, I it, to have it put that way. I'm like that really. Yeah. Sucks. Focusing and, on how you look after you have a baby. Like, oh what? Oh, my God. Body like, after baby. Uh, I, I, it, like, listen, I love People Magazine, but the, the magazines in the early inhumane. 2000s. Yeah. Like, my brain is fucking Swiss cheese from that shit. I know. Truly. It ruined an entire generation you know, and I feel bad for the kids now because now it's all just on TikTok. And it is that. It's like now. Right. It Gen hasn't Z is, much better. Yeah, and I feel like, at least on my TikTok, they, you have these, like, Gen Z moms where it's, like, it is, like, the aspirational. It's, like, mm-hmm. you are beautiful, and your pregnancy was so easy, and you're, yeah. you're married to your loving husband right. and or, or partner, and your life seems perfect. Obviously, that is not the reality, but when you're— when, when you do not have a child, this is the reality you're presented with. And then when yes. you enter through, when you open the door and go into it, it's like, this is a lot more complicated. Oh, yeah. Full of love, obviously, but so complicated. And we don't want to yeah. acknowledge the darker parts of it, which are, are yeah. rage, you know, like the, and it being just so isolated. Yeah, I feel like the dominant uh, narrative from almost every person I know who has had a child is, wow, there's so much I didn't know, even as someone who was trying to educate themselves about this experience. All Like, even people who are, like, reading the books and, yeah. like, on top of it and following, like, there's just still much, so much horror that we obscure because we want women to continue um, and people to continue having children. <laughs> and if you Absolutely. knew all of this stuff, you would be a lot more questioning of, like, who, am I going to do this? <laughs> and and I think even, like, the pain of labor— um, uh, and also, I'm, I'm I, just to say, and I apologize, we haven't done before. Obviously, people who are not women have children. Trans men yes. have children. Non-binary people yes. have children. So I want to be inclusive. Uh, the 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 state of giving birth, being pregnant and giving birth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the challenges of that. It's almost like you can't describe how painful it is. Because to understand something intellectually is so different than experiencing in the body, which I imagine is also beautiful. Like I imagine like to also experience that in the body is a is a part of the beauty of it. But yes. boy, it it sure is gross. It is it's fucking disgusting. tough. <laughs> um, and um, and then as a subset of this, of which uh, the second follow up question is, what would you? How scary do you find the concept of mother being a ghost? Oh. 
I mean, not great. Not especially this one. Like, yeah, my, yeah. It's like because she wanted to be tough. hot. Oh, I'm sorry. She's be out here hot for you, Allison. She is a mother. She is a ghost. She's doing the best she can. Okay. But for these kids, it's just like, oh boy. It's like see, she seems around and fucking with stuff and. And, and at least my mom, I know if she's in my apartment or not. <laughs> right, yeah, she's not sliding through I, the walls. Right, I've got eyes on her. If I know she's in the area, I can like be like, don't come over, do come over. Like, d- stop yeah. touching all my stuff. Like, no, I'm not going to this thing. But like, ghost mother, I mean, she's just, you can't keep track of her. And, and the true power of a mother, yes. or isn't she always there anyways? You know she is mean? always she's there. Always, she's always Every decision, the- every moment, she's always there <laughs> inside your head. Yeah, every mother is a ghost mother if you think about it. And True. I didn't. So let us begin ruining Mama. Would you like to guess the twist before we begin, Allison? Guess the twist. Okay, I'm going to guess based on the trailer because it seems like it's like, who is the mother of these like two children who seemingly are maybe evil? Um, I'm going to guess that they find out, you know, ghost mother, dead woman, that she's not their mother, that, like, mm-hmm. it's, refer- like, that maybe they're the mother. Okay, great. That they've been alive forever. That they're kind of Ooh, okay. this I other entity. Okay, I love it. Let us begin ruining Mama. We begin, of course, with my favorite thing in the whole world, words on the screen. Yes. And those words, Allison, are simply mm. once upon a time. No. And luckily, we also then get a radio transmission. So we hear a radio program. So we know we're immediately oriented. And there are, I think, um, I love this movie. I think, you know, there's certain elements of it, the CGI, that, you know, maybe don't hold up 10 years sure. on. But I love this movie. I think it's incredibly well done. And there's a lot of single images that just convey so much information in a very neat way. For example, we hear the radio, you know, as we began, it says, you know, um, the word to describe what's happening is panic. And of course, this comes with unthinkable, irrational behavior. Think of the crash of 29, 1987's Black Monday. All of those came with tragic suicides and murders. This collapse is no different. Allison, it's 2008. 2008? And the housing, it is, and the two, housing market has bottomed out. I like that we often refer to the heyday movies for us as the... Um, <laughs> Or, you know, late 90s, uh, those first few years of the aughts, because, like, that's when we were teens. But, boy, oh, isn't 2008 yeah. more of our age? It's more of our history. <laughs> yes. Allison, I, um, yeah, it is really interesting. Like, that, yeah, that time period, because we were, we were in our 20s, early yeah, 20s. We were, and I was living in New York and working, and it was terrifying. <laughs> And yeah, I was in, I, so I don't, I don't think I've talked about this before, but I have a master's in library science and I literally yes. graduated in 2008. And I, what we were told the whole time, and I did love it. I mean, I had to, you know, it took me 15 years to pay off the student loans, but uh, it, what we were told is like, oh, well, all of these librarians are about to retire. So like everyone's about to be promoted. There's going to be all these jobs in, and, and that's mm-hmm. everything. It's like archives, like digital, you know, archives, yeah. all different kinds. And then um, a bunch of people sort of lost any savings they had, so they weren't going to mm-hmm. retire anytime soon. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I made the mistake of starting improv comedy, and here we are today, Allison. Here we are, and doing this can't podcast. Complain. And I guess it was worth it to have the housing market crash, I guess. So that um, we could have this. Yeah, yeah I was in book is, publishing, and 
yes. it all went to shit. So different worlds. Unfortunately, um, we took it better than um, our character we're about to be yes. following, whose uh, name is Jeffrey Jeffrey Desange Epstein. No. Um, no, uh, though they might be together in wherever they're at. Oh um, boy. Of course, that would be hell. Hell. Um, we hear, of course, the radio play on, and there's a perfect horror image as we, you know, fade in, and it is a car sort of haphazardly drone up, drove up onto the curb with the driver's side door open and the bing bong, bing bonging. And uh, I'm sorry, it's, the bing bong is bing bonging? The car, the bing bong. Bum, bum. Where the car like a door pleads is open? for you. The car pleads like for you. Like the door is open and the door. keys are in. The car says, I beg you to please, for God's sakes, shut, shut the, door. the door. Um, Is in front of a gorgeous suburban mansion. It's very home alone. That's immediately mm. what I thought. Mm-hmm. And we hear on the radio that two partners at Cape VA Holdings were shot. Senior partner Laura Mahler died on the site. And analyst Albert Bernard is in critical condition. Jeffrey Desange, the third partner who was at the office at the time of the shooting, has now gone missing. Fortunately, Allison, we hear a gunshot, and then we cut to a little girl named oh Victoria. I know, this opening sequence, too. Again, I tough. I think I'm just, I, I'm getting too old for this shit. No, but, like, there is something <laughs> where it's like, okay, I got to no, watch a three-year-old okay. be terrorized. Bye. And she looks up, she's playing with like a little deer, like a stuffed deer and dangling it over her sister's crib. That's right. We got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, Allison. Oh, God. Um, I know. And uh, the three-year-old is Victoria. The one-year-old is Lily. And their father, who is Jeffrey Desage, and who absolutely killed his business partners, mm-hmm. comes and scoops them up. And uh, Victoria, he hands Victoria her little glasses because she's a three-year-old with glasses. No, nothing I is know. cuter. Also, shout out to really quick Truffles the Cat. Do we all know Truffles the Kitty oh, on no. Instagram and TikTok? Uh, she is a big, fluffy black and white cat who works at an optometrist where oh kids go for their glasses. And <laughs> that so makes you really happy. They put little glasses and sometimes eye patches on her so that the kids feel more okay needing to wear glasses or eye patches for corrective vision stuff. And it's just so sweet. That. So everybody go um, watch Truffles. Well, this is about to be the opposite of that, Allison. Yeah, I would I'd imagine say. that the vibes of Truffles being like, <laughs> glasses are okay for everyone. It's very different from whatever mama is going to bring us. Uh, they um, are, neither of them are old enough to, basically like, I only flag how young they are because they're not old enough to survive their own with little help from mama. Mama. He hands his, uh, Victoria her glasses, and she says, isn't mommy taking you to school? And Jeffrey tells her, mommy's not feeling well. Allison, we just heard a fucking gunshot, so we know what that means. Yeah, bet she's she, not. Yeah, and she drops her little stuffed deer on the ground, and they, and they have a wiener dog, who we later find out is named Handsome. Aww. I want a wiener dog so fucking bad. I and love I them. loved the inclusion of a wiener dog in this film. I There should be a wiener dog in every film. Every film. Jeffrey is then speeding down a snowy mountain road. He is crying. His daughters are in the back seat. And Victoria is asking, Daddy, where are we going? And he says, I don't know. And he speeds up. This is like slick, like you're side of a cliff, mm-hmm. rocketing down unpaved or on um, cloud, uh, plowed streets. Yes. Aye. And Victoria, she's three, but she knows enough. And she screams, you're driving too fast. And he turns and he says, shut up. And the car goes into a skid. And immediately they hit the edge of the road and they just go right down the side of the mountain. Mm. Back at the mansion, uh, we see the cops are cordoning off the area and we see 
Lucas Desange, Jeffrey's brother, who is played by the same actor, which I thought was like, oh, good, you did, you could play both. You didn't have to step out after uh, yeah, that's the first great. scene. He runs up and says, "Where is my brother? Are the girls okay?" Mm. We cut to the car is wrecked, but all three of them have survived. So we're following their footprints okay. in the snow. It's freezing. These girls are three and one. Right. He is uh, having a mental breakdown, obviously. And he staggers through the snow with his daughters, and her. we see that Victoria's glasses are broken. Eventually, mm-hmm. they find a cabin, and you nice. could tell from 100 paces, this cabin is fucking haunted. Yeah. Everything, you saw in the trailer, jet black. It is yeah. the middle of the day. There's snow everywhere. It's like a void. No. It's Vanta black, you know? Vanta black. The funniest black. <laughs> the vibe is Vanta black. So Jeffrey rushes towards the door and Victoria sees a figure moving inside and says, Daddy, there's someone in there. He ignores her and takes her inside. And it looks like it was fabulous at one point. Like it's like very 70s furniture. And it's right on a lake. And he starts busting up some of the furniture for firewood. He builds a fire. The kitchen is full of rats. And he finally, he goes, he puts the girls in front of the fire and he goes into the hallway to collapse and sob. Like you do. I mean- yeah. I would. <laughs> um, Victoria calls to him and says, Daddy, there's a lady outside. She She's not touching the floor. Oh, God. I, okay, I'm just going to flag <laughs> this. I don't normally do a content warning. You're going to want to skip the next three minutes, I would say, if the idea of having a, a gun trained on a child is something you don't want to hear. Feel free. I, I wouldn't normally do this, but, again, I was watching it. I'm like, I am not in the mood for this today. Yeah, not... Yeah, no. But he takes a gun out of his suit coat. And unfortunately, like, there is this phenomenon in society, these family annihilators, these, you know, workplace, um, you know, homicides. And this, you know, specifically in in America, you do have a lot of these stories. There's this horrible story about this family, like, entire family being murdered in Celebration, Florida. And it was, of course, a story of, like, the father. I don't know if he was writing a, a, a scam, but, like, he was, his financial life had bottomed out and it he killed his entire family and it's sort of like the illusion of the perfect life which is what this family had and then in financial dire straits this man killing everybody Mm. and which is scary to think about and it's Mm -hmm. more scary because it does happen so yep he takes the gun out of his suit coat and he sort of gestures for victoria like oh look outside And she says, why are you crying? He he tells her, moms and dads try real hard, but sometimes they mess things up. I guess so, man. Yeah. Yeah. Messed up. Uh, That's not a bad way of saying what's going on. It is messed up. He takes off Victoria's glasses and he points out the window and she looks and he raises the gun and points it to the back of her head. Luckily, Victoria is about to get some help in the form of a mama. Mama. As Jeffrey raises the gun, we see two blackened, wizened hands grab his face and sort of haul him blackened up into the air. Tough. Like it looks like um like a bog yes. mummy. You know yes. what I mean? Where it's yes. like it has. I know skin. exactly what kind of skin you're talking about. Exactly. Good. I've 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 taught you well over all these years, Allison. <laughs> And in a really, I think a really great effect of this movie does an excellent job of we we wait so long before we see Mama, and honestly, when we see her, it's like I probably didn't ever see the whole thing. But like the glimpses of her are so scary. Yes. So Victoria turns, we see her blurred vision. Her glasses are now shattered on the floor, so they, she can't even use her glasses. Oh my god! And we see her father, like this vague form, being lifted up by this black, shadowy, swirling mass. 
And the figure snaps her father's neck and drops his corpse like a sack of potatoes. Mother. Mother. Are we to imagine um, Mama, who just uh, killed Dad, is the woman who was outside not touching the floor? Yes. Yes, I think this is her local haunt. I think this is where she is tied. (laughs) I guess it's nice that she could go outside. And I will say there are some questions about the physical reality of what's going on. Because I do have some questions, too, where I'm like, she allowed to just go outside? You're allowed to go where? I guess Mama yeah. does what Mama wants, you know? Is there a perimeter that she can't go beyond, or? Um, we don't need to get bogged out in semantics. Mm, no. uh, but we see this, again, this shadowy figure drag Jeffrey's body out the front door. And Victoria follows, trying to call for her father. She doesn't know what's going on. Right. She can't see. And that night, the girls sit in front of the fire that Jeffrey built. Oh. And from the shadows, rolls a cherry. Allison, it's the dead of fucking winter. Like, where, where did she go, Trader Joe's? Right, what? Even if there were cherries in the, I'm sure there could be cherries in the woods. Baby, it's the middle of the winter. It's where winter. Did you get this? There are no it looks delicious. Now. It's a summer fruit. And Victoria picks up the cherry and she turns, and in the darkness of the corner of the room, you see what looks like a woman's figure, and her hair is constantly floating around her face mm-hmm. as if she's submerged in water. Yes, and she's wearing a shroud. And I feel I mean, like I'm I'm entering. What else my would shrouder. you wear to haunt unless except for a shroud? Exactly. Right. It's not scary if you wear like, you know, like a pants two, suit. A two-piece. Yeah. yeah. I want a shroud and I want to wear ashes on my face. Mm-hmm. 2023, year of the shroud. Under the credits, we see some children's drawings. Obviously, Lily and Victoria. We see them napping. We see Lily and Victoria playing with some of the omnipresent black moths that are constantly mm-hmm. flying mm-hmm. around the cabin. Of course. You gotta play with the moths, Allison. You gotta play with the moths. We see more drawings. We see Jeffrey's body being eaten by wolves. We see the girls on the roof of the cabin. Oh, and then good. seemingly flying around the trees. Okay. And yeah, we see Lily eating a rat while Victoria frowns. And then both of them eating rats and crawling around on their hands and knees. And I do think once you see the rats, I was like, oh, okay, I guess you could start. If you had cherries and rats. Okay. But you need a carb, right? You would need a carb. On, yeah. Especially as a child. For a long time. Yeah, yeah. Right, this is it. They, they're not trying to get get shaped shredded swimsuits. You're not gonna get ripped. They, children, <laughs> children need carbs. Children need carbs. Um, we uh, we cut to present day. Lucas, their uncle, gets a call from Bernsey, who is a man that he has hired, like a private investigator, to do or a private search person. I don't know how that works, sure. but is paying him to do the search. They have never found the car. They have been unable to find the car. And they've been looking for four years. Okay. I was going to ask, like, where are we in time? Four years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But Lucas has not given up. He wants to find his brother. You know, he presumably assumes the worst about his brother and his nieces. But he pays, you know, this person every month. And uh, he has sort of like a Homeland-style board of corkboard, like with Post-its and photos, including the photo of a tunnel under, um, like, an overpass. And Okay. None of them, they haven't found the, the site of the crash. Burnsy on the phone says, oh, I hate to ask, but your last payment didn't clear. So, meanwhile, in the bathroom, we find Lucas's girlfriend, Annabelle, played by, bitch, it's Jessica Chastain. It's Jessica Chastain. The wig choice they made for oh, her. Oh, outrageous. Is unbelievable. Wild. I didn't, and, I knew she was in it because it was, like, in the in the trailer, like, as they're kind of, like, giving credits for actors. But, like, I, it, like, took me a minute to, like, even realize. I was like, oh, that's her. 
It is, it is Liza Minnelli. Yes. It is supposed to be punk rock, but it is just the most, I don't even know what, like 2002? Like, I don't even know what era it's from. I think it's supposed to be like, like moody, because she is in a rock band, which is going to be constantly brought up. Oh, good. Like, as if she's like serial killer. Like, <laughs> like it's like, you're, and also they did like Jessica Chastain with that haircut in a rock band, like the whole thing is. It's again, a lot. I'm not saying she couldn't. I'm saying she doesn't. You know, it's a hat on she looks a like wig, a French film sure. star. Yes. She just looks like a movie star. You know, um, and I do like it's like she could carry that as someone who has to have a lot of hair to like. It's the only thing that stands between my face having a shape and the like, total yes. dissolution of the yes. face. Yes, it's an incredible choice to put her in, in an insane wig like that. It really is. And again, she's not mama, though. That's how we know. She she's is punk not rock. Mama. She's not here for these kids. Mama and we never. know that because we are shown her sitting over a pregnancy test. And she looks at it. It's negative. And she looks to the heavens. And she smiles and says, thank you, God. And who hasn't been there? I mean, <laughs> not me. <laughs> well, sure. But I mean, at some other point. Yes. Or, hey, in the future, Allison, sure, you know, sure. I mean, listen. Um, until menopause hits any day now for me, I can't, honestly can't wait. Fingers crossed. Um, it, it made me think of, uh, I had a friend from college, Martha, who would, um, Catholicism really fucks up your understanding of, well, not only motherhood, but, um, sex and yeah. pregnancy, like, cause, because of the, uh, fear of abortion and yeah. the fear of becoming a mother. Yeah. And, uh, I remember she would, constantly be taking pregnancy tests. Like, probably, like I mean, multiple pregnancy tests <laughs> Like, unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and wasn't on birth control because Catholics are also super right. fucked up about birth control, so then you have to, like, go through this mental hurdle to go on that. And, you know, and I remember, um, and, and I'd say Catholicism ruined my relationship to sex, absolutely. And I remember Martha, uh, it was, she was, like, calculating how, how much money she had spent on pregnancy tests. And I said, I hate to say this, but I think with that amount of money, you could probably go to a therapist and talk to them about, like, why you need to take so many pregnancy tests. And she said, and I'll always forget it, she said, yeah, but the therapist can't tell me whether or not I'm pregnant. Well, she fucking got me. Correct. A hundred percent. There's no relief That's like that relief. Right. Um, and I imagine if you want to get pregnant and then you get to see you're pregnant, I imagine that's also that's a huge also relief. relief. Yes. It's, yeah, it's given It's given no matter what. Um, anywho, she joins Lucas and Lucas is sort of flopped onto her onto his bed, and she's so flippant about the search for his dead loved ones. You know, she's like, "Are they searching Sector X Seven today?" And she's eating a, a bowl of cereal. I would leave someone over that kind of joke. One hundred percent. They also have Handsome, the wiener dog. They they have uh, inherited him, and he tells her the payment didn't clear, and um, you know she straddles him in this very like cinematic girlfriend move. And basically, he has spent all the money that he received from his brother, brother's estate. But she says, if you want to spend every dime searching for your brother, that's fine with me. And she says, it's cheaper than therapy. So she is on board, but only in this very yes. one-foot-in type of like way. Like, you do you. Which is tough when your partner is on a multi-year search for his missing nieces and and. Brother. homicidal brother, I think you kind of got to be all in. Yeah. You know, I think that's not necessarily someone you can jerk around, is my opinion. No. If I was in that situation. Allison, in the woods, Burnsy is there with his friend, and, and I choose to believe lover, Ron. They, he goes to take a piss mm-hmm. and finds the car. They have finally found Jeffrey's car. But, of course, there's no bodies in it. 
So they give, they have a bloodhound. Right. And they give him Victoria's little deer doll. Okay. And he takes them right to the would cabin. Your, wow, would your scent last four years? I think so. I think, again, wow. I think there is some, not necessarily a consensus um, it, uh, on like uh, tracker dogs. Like I think there is a little bit of more, much like a lot of police science, like they're mm-hmm. maybe not as hard and fast. But right. my understanding is like, yeah, they can. Like if you have wow. something that belonged to them. Um, they find the cabin. Immediately, it's very spooky inside. I mean, there is a pile of cherry pits three feet tall in the kitchen. Oh, uh, so upsetting to see. And they see this little rough hewn doll made out of like um, an old wizen apple mm. and, and thread and leaves. And Ron turns and out of the darkness of the stairwell, and that's another thing I love about this movie, it is pitch dark inside everywhere no matter if it's broad daylight. Terrific. The difference between day and night in this film is irrelevant. It's always nighttime. (laughs) It's like a casino. Out scrambles Lily, who is walking on all fours, like scuttling like an insect, covered in filth, as she would be. Right. And has sort of a faded flower crown on her head, which is also covered in grime. And they watch, and she kind of climbs like a spider up the kitchen counters to the top of the fridge, where Victoria, also covered in filth, crouches and they start moaning and chittering because they can't, they haven't spoken out loud and Lily doesn't know how, you know? And the men of course react like they've seen a ghost, well, a ghost mother cut to Annabelle rocking out with her rock band. This is the exact kind of shit I love where it's like, I don't know, man, it's a rock band. They play music. She's got a Ramon shirt. I, it doesn't matter. That's it. The hair is dark. That's all you right. need to know. Bitch, she's got a lot of eye makeup on. Grow up. She's about to become a mama, you know? And not that not that beautiful, traditionally beautiful women can't rock out. I just it's need just a little a something. little grime, a little something. If you're gonna put Jessica Chastain in that in that role, they're practicing. Lucas bursts in and says they found the girls. They rush to meet the girls who are at a uh, facility of some sort, sure. an institute, as there are in many of these films. Mm-hmm. Um, they meet Dr. Dreyfus, who is a child psychologist who's going to work with them because these kids have been feral. They have been alone right. in the woods. And so he's both excited and also um, horrified by what yes. he's finding. Understandably. A- and Annabelle even brings her attitude to the, meeting this man in this extremely stressful, like, vulnerable. He's like, oh, you must be Annabelle. And she says, I must be. Bitch, save your attitude for mm, tomorrow not, or the second time you meet this guy. That is not going to go far. Yeah, that's not that's not mama attitude right mm-hmm. there. And he tells them, okay, so Victoria is eight and Lily is six now. Okay, so it's five years. Sorry. Okay. And he's like, the road is going to be long. So do not yeah. assume that this is going to be normal anytime soon. And he takes in there's sort of a bedroom playroom with a two-way mirror, sort of Megan style. And they watch the girls. They move in this inhuman way. It is mm-hmm. so well done. Lily is sort of pads the carpet like an insect. They both clamor around <sighs> on all fours, skittering. Skittering. Um, they're they're constantly jerking away from the light and hiding in the shadows. Dr. Dreyfus hands Lucas Victoria's glasses. So they have a new pair of glasses to give her. She hasn't had okay. her glasses on in five years. Oh, my God. He enters a playroom, and Victoria snarls and lashes out at him. Mm. He's like, no. And he hands the glasses. He tells her, when you were little, you wore these. 
and she picks them up and she realizes on some of what they are and puts yeah. them on. And you can see, like, which again, it's a very it's a subtle way to play this. It's like as soon as she's glasses on, she is like more human. Yeah. Like she is now remembering those three years of her life where she ha- was what did live in the fucking cabin of the woods, yes. you know? Right. And she looks and at him could and says, see. Yeah. And she says, Daddy? And he says, Oh no, I'm Uncle Luke. I remember I'm your uncle. And she touches his beard and says, Dad, and hugs him. And I'm like, And of course, Annabelle is also watching it. And we're seeing that she has the first stirrings of mother awakening, you know. Okay. She is seeing seeing this. Um, Dr. Dreyfus is showing them video of Lily crawling around, you know, like a um, spider. He says, In order to survive such extreme isolation, the girls created an imaginary guardian, a parent figure to feed them. Sing to them, protect them. They called her Mama. And we see the girls sort of chatting with the air and like raising their hands up to the air, grabbing at it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they actually have to go to court because they're being challenged for custody by the, it's the girl's mother's Aunt Jean, whose whole thing okay. is, I understand you love these Mama's girls. Mama's sister. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's the, uh, oh, no, sorry, the mama's aunt. Okay. So it's the great aunt, the girl's great aunt. She's trying to get custody, and there is a level of like, your brother killed my niece, so fuck you, you shouldn't get the kids. Yeah. But I think she's on some level trying to play ball to get be in the kid's life, but she wants custody. Right. And Luke is enraged, and she sort of sniffs at their bohemian lifestyle. They look like they're doing better than everybody. You know, mm. uh, she's in a rock band. I guess that's her full-time job. Yeah. And he's a designer, which is a job. I don't That's know why job. they think it's, you know, yeah. like, so crazy. Oh, yeah. But afterwards, Luke is talking to Dr. Dreyfus, and he's like, well, maybe there's some truth to it. You draw pictures for a living. Annabelle plays in a band, which, again, people treat like she's Eileen Warno, so they cannot believe. Look at her. She's hot. She's playing in a band. What kind of people are you? Do you have room for children in your life, especially very traumatized children? Yeah. My opinion is these bitches were raised by a ghost or something. Yes. I think any this is going to be a vast improvement for them, you know, Anything no matter what. Anything is going to be better than just eating cherries and rats for five years in the dark. Exactly. Unless you're trying to get it tight. It's like, you're trying it's to, like, like drop those LBs. A, yeah, that is a real, like, slim down diet. That would work. Yeah. Dr. Dreyfus The diseases says, from the rats alone would just Oh, yeah. Oh, the parasites? Oh, that's how you get it down. That's how you get that little waste. Um, Dr. Dreyfus says the court needs his recommendation. So he basically says, play ball with me. I know you don't want the girls to move away. I don't either because I want to continue studying them. If you let me continue to study them, I will pay you. And I we will pay for a house for you guys to live in. Okay. I will make this a part of, like, this will be a project of mine. But you have to let me then. I will be their psychologist. They're, they say we're going to talk about it. They're obviously going to take it. They don't have room. They live in a studio apartment, you know? Yes. And there's all this press because it's such an insane story. So Luke and Annabelle leave the the court and Luke and Jean get into a confrontation in front of the media. And Jean says, I just want to see the kids. And Luke says, you can, you get visitation rights. You can literally come over. We just need a little time to get sorted. Like you could obviously be in their life. You just, we just needed like a couple of weeks or something. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the Institute, the girls are going to live there until they move into the big house. Dr. Drivers hypnotizes Victoria and she tells him a story. A long time ago, oh, once about a time, a long time ago, a woman escaped from a place for sad people. She took her baby and she jumped. And he says, How could you know that story, Victoria? 
did Mama tell you that story? She showed me. How? In a dream. Cut to Annabelle breaking up with her band, telling the front woman Nina, and Nina has, which I think is a reasonable reaction, I wouldn't do this, but Nina goes, you need to break up with him. This yeah. is nice, is too much. But yeah. Annabelle is in love with him and cannot, feels like she cannot abandon him, but also is not a yet. mama, Mm-mm. does not want children, as we saw, as, as we so eloquently saw. That is and, not mama hair. And Nina basically said this, like, you're in a rock band. You can't just leave and become a mother. You can't be a mother and want to rock. I'm sorry. They're incompatible. <laughs> and Annabelle tells her, I was in a rock band. So again, oh, like all God. good mothers should, she abandons herself to be there for her children. And for maybe an extra special guest oh who will also be coming with them to the new house. Oh, I bet. Um, once they move in, they, we see they're like their first day there. The girls join them. Victoria, because she, again, had more years outside of the cabin, has progressed much faster. She's wearing normal clothes. Yeah. She has her glasses. She's not very emotive, but she's, you know, like, able to engage with them. And they're Lily, verbal. Um, so Victoria is verbal. Okay. Lily is not. Okay. Lily is, like, sort of, like, skittering and grunting, and she makes noises, but she never learned English, you know? I guess you think your sister would have taught her. Maybe they'd speak some sort of Creole or something. Um, but anyway, she, she's nonverbal entirely. So she kind of clicks and whistle, whistles yeah. and, and moans and stuff. And, uh, which is tough when, you, when you're in kindergarten. That's, yeah. that's a tough one. That's a tough one. So she's, uh, she, she's more comfortable on all fours and without shoes. So she's kind of always bear crawling around mm-hmm. and she's hide, hides behind her sister. And then she always has like bruises on her and she always has like a dark substance around her mouth. And we'll find out later what that is. But I, if oh, I good. Was, I'm glad. I know. If I was Annabelle Luke, I'd maybe be like, what the fuck is on your face? Why are you getting yeah. all bad? I would be a little more involved in like, what yes. the hell are you doing? What's I'd going on? I'd be keeping tabs on that and like really yeah. trying to figure it out. But Annabelle gets down on their level and, you know, she says, you know, we're going to figure it out. It's going to be great. And Lily whispers, Mama. But Annabelle stops her and says, nope, you can call me Annie mm-hmm. um, or whatever. We'll figure it out together. But immediately balks at um, being called Mama. Mama. Um, meanwhile, there's uh, so they go to the backyard, gorgeous. And it's a gorgeous home. Lily is scampering and jumping into the big moving boxes like a cat would do. She's having a good time. And we get to see Victoria reunite with their weeder dog, Handsome. Aww. And it is played, like, I loved it. I loved the emotional through line of the story was yeah, this weeder dog. I love that. And. They're so lovable. We, she meets the dog, then she turns back to Luke, Annabelle, and Dr. Drivers, and Victoria has a smile on her face. Okay. Unfortunately, this is sort of like where the girls start to separate. Lily is not having any of it. Mm-hmm. She objects to it. She wants to do what she will do. For example, Victoria, she eats with her hands, but Victoria will sit at the table. Lily is under the table. She's in the corner. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to sit on a chair. She's, you know, too uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then at night, they're in, they have, they share the same room, but they have two different beds. Uh, Victoria sleeps in her bed, and Lily sleeps under her bed for safety. Uh, okay. I mean, I get it, but it's spooky. Yes. Yeah. And of course, Annabelle and Luke have no experience, and Dr. Dreyfus is doing his best. And He's doing his best, but he was intrigued by the story that Victoria told him. So to do more research, he went goes to not not fuck the public library. They fucking yeah. wish. Yeah, he's going to the Clifton Ridge Public Records Office. He's I mean, getting those public yes. records, Allison. Yes. Public records, a microfiche, perhaps. 
He's going deeper than the fee. She's going Whoa. just pure paper. Just paper. Yeah. Whew. That's that's the level of commitment. Because wow. if you have a doctor, if you're a doctor in a horror movie, you have a punch card, and every 12 visits to the public records office, you get one free ghost mother. Oh. So, yeah. This guy Ready is opening— to redeem that one, I bet. This guy's opening dossiers. And we see okay. the the records woman who I, in my mind, refer to as the records queen. She has a four-foot-long gray braid, as she should. Ugh. I'm like— Having just cut off all my hair, I'm like, now I wish I had a four foot long gray braid. Hey, hey, it'll time, it's gonna time's happen. on your side, Allison. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. happen. I have faith in you. But she said, uh, I didn't find any police reports of what you're describing between 2008 and 2012, which is the years the girls were missing. The murder. Oh, okay. Um, and there are no psychiatric hospitals in Clifton Forge. And we realize that he has he has heard the story that Victoria told about the woman who escaped from a sad person's hospital mm-hmm. and is thinking, did this person take care of them? Because how else would they have survived unless mm-hmm. somebody was taking care of them? Right. Maybe that person was mentally ill. Maybe that person left. Like, whatever, like, right, right, but right, how right. else, like, that story must have been mama. Like, there right. must have been a physical woman to take care of them. Because how but else she, could they have survived for five years in yeah. a dark cabin? And I'm like, that's a good psychologist. He's looking up the logic of your dreams. He's doing his due diligence. Yeah. And she says, there's no psychiatric hospitals for 200 miles, but there is a St. Gertrude's Asylum. Oh, good. And he says, well, I thought you said there weren't any psychiatric facilities. She says, oh, there's not. This one got shut down in 1878. But because she's a fucking badass bitch and all she does is look at records all day, she said, I went through the all of the records, which I don't understand. I'm like, well, how many records? Maybe they what don't have that many. Yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe it wasn't open for very long. And she found a patient named Edith Brennan, and she hands over the file. Back at home, we see Lily and Victoria are constantly humming a lullaby, and they're always drawing moths on the wallpaper. Mm, yes. And as they do, Lily smiles an actual moth, like the kind of the cabin flutters by. Sort of a calling card oh, for a mother. guess who's here? And we see, again, like all these great moments where we as the audience know what's going on, but Annabelle is in the dark. So she's mm-hmm. walking to put laundry away, and we are watching Lily play tug of war with an entity that is pulling the blanket up directly into the sky and lifting her up. Mm-mm. But yeah. just, of course, right as Annabelle's about to walk in the girl's room, uh, and Lily is playing with a ghost. Uh, Victoria calls her and said, "Handsome's got outside. He's crying." So again, okay. she keeps missing these, these moments of horrific, mama. yeah, mama moments. This um, miraculous mama moments, like every mama has in their life. That night, Annabelle is of course practicing bass. She still has the love of of the game. She's still she's still well, a performer. Once Allison. a rocker, always a rocker. Exactly. I mean, when you're seventy, you're going to be doing stand up alone in your kitchen too. I'm 100%. sure. One hundred percent. She sees the lights flicker and fade out, and we see through the through the amp. It sounds like feedback, and then it sounds like maybe a whispering name. Maybe Ooh. it's her own name. Mm. When the lights snap back on, Lily, who has been crouching like a frog on the kitchen counter, leaps and screams and then runs away laughing. Mm. She's having a great time with this. Yeah. Um, she tells Luke when he gets home, I don't know if I could do this. Yeah. And Luke is says, I understand what you're saying, but I am the hottest man alive. And so instead of arguing over this, let's start fucking. Of course... They, they get to it, and in the middle of it, Annabelle looks up and sees, peering in the doorway, not a child, but a dark, clearly adult-height figure. 
She screams, oh, throws Luke off, being like, there's someone in the fucking house. Yeah. Luke searches, can't find anything. Annabelle is not hearing this and has grabbed a hammer, which I love. Jessica Chastain with a hammer. Yes. Worth it. 100%. I mean, I want to watch that. Luke takes the hammer from her and heads down the stairs. You know, He's like, I will check the whole house. Do not freak out. She goes to stay with the girls. Allison, as he walks to the top of the stairs, he finds a gigantic spreading spot of black mold growing in the wall from which moths have begun to emerge. And he peers into it only for a blackened, greasy arm to shoot out and shove him over the landing, sending him falling to the first floor, and you guessed it, Allison, putting him into a coma. Oh, my God. (laughs) At the hospital... Lily, the the girls there, obviously, Lily's like taking off her shoes and throwing them around. And then she's watching the Slap Chop commercial, just saying chop, 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 chop. So she is learning language. It's just in her way. Just infomercial based. And Luke is fully in a coma. And luckily, Dr. Dreyfus is on hand to advise Annabelle, who says, I can't do this. I could barely do it when Luke was not in a coma. Yeah. And he puts his hand on her shoulder and says, your girls need you. You must be... Mama! Allison, what would you do if you were in that situation? What would you do? This is the the bad answer for humanity and the wrong one for anyone who has emotions and feelings, but I'm out of there. I am not taking this on. Like, this is not... I like I would be like, I can be uh, tangentially involved in these girls' lives. I cannot be the the sole caretaker of these like two children. Like I could, I couldn't do it. I don't um, know what that means for the children, and that's what's awful. But like, well, you know what the thing is. I'm like, would it really be so bad if Jean had the kids? Right. You know, it's like, like it's not like there's not another person in the mix. And obviously, like it's from their interaction. Like there's maybe some hostility, but Jean seems like she would let you see the kids. And yeah. maybe at least while he's in a coma, like it doesn't seem, yeah. or, or have Jean come stay with them. Like if there's other family around that could come and help, that seems yeah. like the way to go. Yes. I, I know, I just know I wouldn't be able to leave, but also um, family counseling, counseling all together with the girls would be mm-hmm. good so that yep. you could learn skills and how to talk to them, you know, yeah. in real time. Yeah. Especially because they're going to have to do a lot of communicating about yes. what's about to happen in the next act. I, Clearly, moths are, like, what kind of shows up before mama. Like, what would be the thing that shows up for you that kind of oh. announces your presence? Uh, could be anything. Uh, white rats. I want a, mm. a, a scourge of white rats to appear oh. before me um, at all times. Yeah, what about you? I mean, if we're going with, like, a physical thing, I think it would be crabs walking around because oh, yes. I mm-hmm. love seafood. I, but if it, if it was Delicious. more authentic to me, it's probably just the smell of microwave popcorn. <laughs> I was that, or like just a really long hair will show start showing oh, up yes. in someone's apartment like days yes. before you arrive. Yes, that would be in an apartment with no one that has long hair. Yeah. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. 
Oh, honey, who's gonna wanna buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a Remax agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. Remax is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Back home, she takes the kids home. The cops come because she's called them saying, we had an intruder. I saw mm-hmm. somebody. He says, well, all the doors and windows were locked, so fuck you. We're not going to do anything. Oh, God. So she's on her own with the girls. Of course, that night, Annabelle awakens and peers on the hall to see Lily just squatting in the darkness and then scurries back to her room. So she's always squatting and scurrying. And even though she's a child, it is terrifying Mm -hmm. to see someone scurry quite so much. It's so much scurrying. In the morning, Dr. Dreyfus comes over to check on the girls, and he sees there's they've drawn a new figure in the wallpaper. That is the one you saw in the trailer, which oh, is a, le- a lady bent in half backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, in Victoria's bed, he finds a- another rough-hewn doll, uh, you know, mm-hmm. an apple-headed doll made out of mm-hmm. pine cones and sticks, and Animal oh. says, I don't know, they made it or something. I mean, keep tabs on what the children are making. Yeah, girl, there's only so much laundry you could do. However, we see Dr. Dreyfus at his office playing video asking Victoria about a similar doll found in the cabin. He said, did you make this? And she says, mama made it. Again, he stops the video. And he looks, and in the moment she says it, she looks up to the ceiling as if she's acknowledging a very tall person, Mm -mm. someone who just might be mother. The phone rings, Allison. It's it's Louise the Records Queen. (laughs) From Clifton She's so Forge. involved. She's popping off. She's a great, this is the kind of thing, if you're ever casting a uh, Louise from Clifton Forge Public Records, if you're listening to this and you ever make a film, please cast me. Yes. I, that's all I want to be is Louise from Clifton Forge Public Records. Um, I even tried to be, actually, before the economy collapsed. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that was the path. My, oh, my God. I can still get, I can still get there. Um, and she says, hey, I found something you're going to want to see. Again, classic horror. I'm not going to fucking tell you, bitch. You better slap your ass on the fucking public records if you don't see this. That night, the girls are weirdly quiet, even for them, and Annabelle prepares them dinner, and they turn, and we see a figure floating just out of her vision in the living room in the shape of a mother. That night she tucks in Victoria and then she goes to sort of pull Lily out from under the bed and Lily screams no. And Annabelle throws up her hand and she's really frustrated. But that's the first word Lily has spoken this entire time. Okay. Like you the, love yeah. to see it. She's love making progress. Things are happening. Well, it's not true. She was whispering to herself like chop chop when she saw the slap chop. But this is the first word she's, she's vocalized to someone else. Yeah, she's not just repeating or mimicking something she's seeing or hearing. Exactly. So she is making progress. That night Annabelle... Turns in, and when the house is dark, the girl's closet opens, and we see Handsome whining at the closet, and Lily wakes up Victoria and says, Victoria, come, Mama. And Victoria wakes up and puts on her glasses. No, take, sorry. Victoria puts, put, uh, keeps her glasses off. Okay. We hear Annabelle wake up. She could hear through the vent the girls playing and then a woman's voice humming a lullaby. So she's Ugh. thinking someone's in the fucking house again. Somebody yeah. is coming in the house. She busts in the girls' room to find them playing, but they all sort of freeze and they, they dart their eyes at the closet. She goes to open the closet, Allison, and Victoria says, don't. And she says, why? What's inside? And Victoria backs off and says, There's, uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. She reaches out her hand 
Instead of opening it, she just shuts the door, which I get. I, I understand yeah. reaching that moment. In the morning, she goes to Dr. Drive, Drive, Dr. Drivers comes over, and Annabelle tells him, I think somebody's coming in the house. I if, I know we, like, if you think someone raised them or was in that cabin, I'm afraid they found them. I heard a woman's voice through the vents humming. And he plays her a video of the girls humming in the lab, and she said, yeah, but that's the, they have children's voices. This was a much, like, a deeper woman's voice. And Dr. Dreyfus says, I believe Victoria has dissociative identity disorder and is literally taking out the role of mama to deal with the trauma. Trauma mama. mama. trauma. Dealing with her mama trauma. So maybe even her voice is being modulated when she's in this other identity. And Annabelle says, am I safe? And Dr. Dreyfus has the stones to say, oh, from a crazy eight-year-old, give me a break. <laughs> Excuse me? That's what I, maybe not you safe, do not, but like- no. Mm-mm. Reassure her. Don't be like, give me a break. This is a very stressful situation for everyone involved. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, luckily, Dr. Jarvis goes to meet Louise from the records department. Um, and uh, she takes her to the records warehouse. And she tells him that she found a second entry for Mad Edith Brennan. It is a box of human remains, Allison. Okay. And apparently when St. Gruder's was shut down, uh, like many institutions that I imagine were open in 1878, uh, the patients were not treated uh, very well. No. And they kind of just boxed up some of their remains and put them into public records. And she tells Dreyfus, I'm not a religious person, but I do believe there's a place for human remains. And it's not on a shelf in a government building. Correct. It looks like she's going to get a regular-sized file box. Allison, she hands in the box, and it's the size of a shoebox. Mm. And she says, do you believe in ghosts? When a human body is left out in the elements, it withers, it becomes distorted, it bends out of shape. A ghost is an emotion bent out of shape, condemned to repeat itself until it could right the wrong that was done. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, Louise. Yeah. Yeah. Did they teach you that in public record school? Clearly. And she, and she hands Travis a box and he says, what's in this? And she said, Mm-mm. the wrong. The wrong? The wrong. Back in uh-uh. the house. Back in the house, which again is dark as fuck. We see um, that Annabelle is cleaning up. Lily's crawling in and out of boxes. And we have this moment where she hears two voices whispering. And she turns only for us to see what looks like a drowning woman float down from the ceiling behind her. And she whips around. I hate to see it. But it's gone. Allison, in his hospital bed, Luke wakes up. Thank God. Into Get back a nightmare. In the mix, Luke. Into a nightmare, Allison. Oh. You didn't let me finish. Okay. He wakes up and he sees a tunnel from his homeland board, the tunnel near the cabin, and he sees his brother's corpse walk out from under it. And Jeffrey says, save my girls, go to the cabin. And just then he starts to seize, and the machine in the hospital, Allison, instead of like a, you know, like a, a line, it just starts to type, ma, 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 ma. Again, love that shit. Mm. The doctors run in, and luckily Luke survives. Okay. Annabelle and the girls go see him in the morning. Uh, Victoria gives him a drawing of a raccoon, and he's drawn her a picture picture of her and Lily, which she's excited about. And she goes underneath the hospital bed where Lily is to show her the drawing. And we see that Lily, the reason she's constantly got black shit all over her mouth, she's eating the black moths that follow them everywhere. And I know. Victoria is is far enough away from her cabin experience, like her— to not to know that that's not good. Yes. Luke and Annabelle, of course, get into a fight, and you know she's like, "I 
I don't know if I could do this. She does not tell him about what her sneaky suspicion is. She just thinks someone is coming in or that someone raised them and might be trying to contact them. She has not acknowledged there's a ghost yet, but she's getting there. It's time. And he says, they're going to let me out soon. Please just hold it down. And at home, she finds Victoria sobbing in the bathroom. And when Annabelle asks her what's going on, Victoria tells her, I don't want you to get hurt. She gets jealous. And then she runs out of the bathroom. The next day, it's Thursday, which uh, Annabelle has completely forgotten is the day that Jean's going to stop by and see the kids. So when she walks in, of course, Lily has moth gunk all over her fucking face. She's she's crawling on the ground like a fucking animal again. Her she's so like she you know what I mean like she is yeah. in her animalistic state. Yes. Jean is horrified. To be fair, that's what she looked like. I mean, she's not been there that long, you know. Right. It's not like years have passed and there's been a rigorous kind of yeah. plan to reacclimate her to our culture. Like that's yeah. And she's like, oh my god, I can't believe this. And animal said, look, she she's she's making progress. And Jean says you know, why do you let the girls, why do you let me have the girls for a few days? You can go have a drink with your friends or play in that band of yours. <laughs> so judgy. A mother in a band. Um, Annabelle says, go fuck yourself. Get the fuck out of my house. Okay. And as soon as she leaves, Jean calls child services yeah. and says, like, what What do I need to, what kind of evidence do I need to show that my if my nieces are being abused? Annabelle calls Luke to tell her what happened. He's horrified. He's like, it's just one day a month. You couldn't fucking remember that she was coming. She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm barely holding it together, man. You're in a coma. You know, like, this right. isn't my fucking job. This is your job. Again, she's rejecting the role of mother. This is your job. You have to get here. And he says, they're letting me out tomorrow. Hold it the fuck down. And we'll figure out something to do with Jean. We see, again, Dreyfus hypnotized Victoria. And he says, where did mama live? Victoria said, in the walls. Oh, my God. And he says, where is she now? Does she live in the house? Is she here with us in your new house? And he holds up a photo. We know it's of Edith Brennan. And he says, is this her? Look at this. And Victoria screams, no. Allison, Dreyfus turns, and on the wall is the black mold sort of growing rapidly over (sighs) him. This Even bitch. non-haunted black mold is an absolute crisis. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then to have oh, this absolutely. like haunted mold. This bitch, he, so he's in Annabelle and Luke's house doing this therapy session. He runs out without telling Annabelle what he saw. That's the fucking kiss of death. When yeah. you see a character at this stage, at this point in the movie, have that level of cowardice, no. he did. You gotta tell everybody what's going on. But he's more obsessed with the idea that... Um, you know, he's going to prove, he is now believes that there is a, a supernatural element and mm-hmm. he has to prove it. And he's really excited about what this means for his career. So extraordinary claims demand extraordinary proof. He's going to the fucking cabin. Okay. Meanwhile, Annabelle dreams of mama, but really she dreams as mama. And we see from mama's POV oh, okay. in St. Gertrude's. And it's done in this, like, very, like, stylized, jittery. Like, her arms are incredibly long and muscular. Like, this, like, horrifying, monstrous uh-huh. mother. And we see her run up to one of the nuns and take a knitting needle and stab it into the nun's chest and grab her baby out of the nun's hands. And Her sprints, baby, like, her actual baby. Her actual baby. And she sprints um, out of uh, out of the, the St. Gertrude's running and runs to the edge of a cliff. She's being pursued by, of course, priests and a bunch of other men. Oh, thank God. And she looks on her baby 
and she puts her hand over its eyes, and we see the black mold covering its face, okay. and she leaps off the cliff. Oof. She slams into a tree Oof. on the way down, and her broken body falls into the water. Annabelle wakes up. Okay. Exactly. And finds Victoria standing over her. And from the other side of the bed, we see Mama crawl out. Oh, Mama. Mama's Mama. home. Mama's here. Um, Mama has, like, sort of glimmering dead fish eyes, like silver oh, eyes. Oh, good. Her body, again, a wizened bog mummy body. Yes, bog mummy, wizened black, of course. And hair that moves as if it's underwater the entire time. And well, wakes I up like again. that and wish I could have it. <laughs> it's cool as fuck. That, 100%, if we have, we probably will have the technology at some point, but it's I very bet. fun. Annabelle wakes up again. It was just a dream. It was just a dream. You're still being haunted by a ghost, but that part was was not real. In the girls' room, Lily wakes up and tells Victoria, like, come, mama. But for the first time, Victoria says, no, I'm going to stay. And Lily, who again is six, wanders out of the house. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we see Dr. Drivers arrive at the cabin at night like a fucking idiot. I mean, of all the times to go to this cabin. And he hears Mama, like, moaning and sobbing. And the sound effects are incredible in this because she does skew a little dinosaur. It goes a little raptor. It's, like, clicking and whistling. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he finds a matching mold spot in the wall. So I think the idea is, like, this is a pathway between these two sites that she's able to um, travel between. Travel between, yeah. And because he's a fucking idiot, as previously discussed— Dr. Dreyfus doesn't have a flashlight, so he has to use his camera flash to illuminate the living room. Oh, my God. And we see Mama emerge from a door frame and snap his fucking neck. Don't kind of play with Mama. Exactly. That's a Mama Mama move. That's a Mama move. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it Sarah Palin? Was it between a a mother and a pit bull lipstick? I don't remember. What? (laughs) Wasn't this? I remember her saying something like that. It was so, yeah, it's something like you that. You don't put lipstick on a pit bull? I don't yeah. Know. Um, I don't know. In the morning, Annabelle finds Lily outside. She's just shivering in the yard. And for the first time, just physically grabs her and scoops her up, up and takes her inside, which Lily hates. And she's sort of screaming and struggling. But eventually, Annabelle holds her hands and starts like breathing on her hands to warm them up. And Lily looks at her like for the first time and then blows out her own hands. And they have this really wonderful moment because Annabelle has the one thing Mama doesn't have, a warm, living human body. Oh, no. So it's like, oh, right. Oh, this mother is warm and not dead and wet and disgusting. Soggy. Well, maybe I like this Mama a little better, you know? I don't need a waterlogged Mama. Meanwhile, Victoria watches this, and Victoria knows Mama is not going to be happy about this. Also, the child actors in this are phenomenal. They're genuinely really good. I mean, just like the snippets in the trailer, I'm like, how do you get kids to be this good? Yeah. Um, and they, and Annabelle starts to have, like, little moments of connection with them. Like, she nails shut the window and says, okay, we want to go outside. What do we do? And they both say, use the stairs. And she says, all right, we're doing okay. it. Okay. And you're sort of like making um, breakfast. Victoria makes burnt spaghetti. And uh, there's a moment where there's a sheep moving behind an armchair. And Annabelle says, oh, my God, Lily, you, you scared me. Lily is downstairs. And in that moment, Annabelle realizes it and turns to see the closet door, the girl's closet door mm-hmm. shut. Mm-hmm. Somebody's she, been coming and going. Exactly. When she opens it, of course, there's another big, wet, rotting mold spot. That, of course, a ghost can uh, pass through. 
And Annabelle sits down with Victoria and finally just asks her, like, um, you know, Dr. Drivers told me about Mama, and uh, I'm, I'm, is Mama here? Is Mama a ghost? Um, and Victoria's not giving her anything, you know, sort of doesn't want to make Mama more upset. Well, of course. Annabelle tries to call Dreyfus, but of course he can't talk right now. He's dead. Luckily, he did leave a file because he left so quickly. He left a file on their coffee table and he ran out. And in the file is a photo of Edith Brennan. Annabelle starts going through the file. Okay. She ends up taking the girls to Dr. Dreyfus's office only to find his secretary breaking down into tears and running out of the room, having just heard about his death. Okay. And in that moment, Annabelle takes the opportunity to steal the girls' files. Honestly, from Dreyfus's. Absolutely. What else would you do? In the, in the hospital, Luke also has his own files, which I'm assuming Annabelle brought him, and is going and sees the picture of the tunnel. And he's going to head to the cabin. And I was okay. like, without telling Annabelle? Yeah. Dumb, uh, dumb, dumb. We know to dumb. never do this. If you have a supernatural suspicion, tell a friend or tell a loved a one of it. If you have any thought, tell a friend or loved one. Yeah. In the files, Annabelle finds a recording of Victoria's hypnosis uh, sessions. And here's the story of Edith Brennan. And starts to put things together. Because also in Dreyfus's file is, you guess it, the shoebox from the public records office. And in the one of the recordings, Victoria says, Mama fell in the water, but her baby didn't. And she doesn't know where it is. And we see in an old photo, the baby was caught on the tree. So Mama's body smashes kept in the tree, going. falls to the water, dies, kept going. The baby was caught on the tree. Mm-hmm. Died, but was caught on the tree. And Annabelle re- starts to put together, maybe this is about what's in the shoebox. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. And in the recording, Victoria tells uh, Dreyfus, Mama went looking in the woods for a baby, and she found us. And we see Annabelle's crying, and she's interrupted by Victoria and Lily. And Victoria is, like, so moved by Annabelle crying that she hugs Annabelle, and Lily just shakes her head. You fucked up. Meanwhile, at this exact oh moment, Aunt oh Jean boy. rolls up outside to look for proof of child abuse. As if Annabelle couldn't, didn't have enough problems. Right. It's like, Suddenly now this Jean bitch is, is here. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the night, um, Victoria finds Lily standing in the living room, staring at Mama, and she says, don't look at her, she's mad. And Mama lunges at them, chasing them up the stairs. Lily runs into the room first and slams the door in Victoria's face. Mm-hmm. And Victoria sort of braces as she hears footsteps, but it's just Annabelle. Okay. Unfortunately, they suddenly hear Lily screaming, and they both run in. And for the first time, Annabelle just sees Mama. Oh. And she is... She looks like a brown recluse spider. Like, she's a human woman, but she's sort of spread out yeah, on I the get, ceiling. Okay. okay. And sort of clamors down and across the floor before like going to her full height. Mama chases them. Annabelle falls. Of course, you've got to be falling I mean, in a horror movie. I mean, falling all over the place. And Mama looms over her. Victoria screams, Mama, you promised. And Mama crawls over to Victoria and takes off her glasses. I guess the symbol of her civilization. Yes. The, the symbol of her former life. Yes. And snaps them in half. <gasps> Mama. But luckily, just when Mama's about to do something even worse, Aunt Jean enters the house. And she looks down. And again, this is a movie about wigs. She looks what looks like a wig sliding across the wooden floor. And then Mama <laughs> stands up under it. Oh, my God. So it, it, to look down and see a wig of its own volition sliding towards you. That on its and own then is a, terrifying. A ghost mother rise up underneath. Victoria comes downstairs and she sees Jean standing in the kitchen, jerking, clicking, gasping. 
And she says, Aunt Jean. And Jean whips around and now has Mama's distorted gray corpse face. And when she opens her mouth, moths fly out. Allison, my understanding is this means that Mama has taken over Aunt Jean's house, which, or our body. Body. And what is the body, if not a house for the soul? A little house for your soul. Uh, Mama now has a body, so I think she could drive a car, so I think this is why she's able to do Mm. what happens next. Mm -hmm. When Annabelle wakes up, because when she fell, she was knocked unconscious, the girls are gone. Of course, there's only one place Mama could have taken them, to Olive Garden. Oh. No, she doesn't know about Olive Garden. I'm like, no. <laughs> and if she had known, she would know that when you're here, your family and families mm. look like a lot of different stuff. Sometimes it looks like a couple, their two nieces, and a ghost. If only yeah. they'd be able to work things out. If only. Allison, Annabelle's no dummy, even after all this time. So she grabs the shoebox full of, of the, from the public records and yes. heads to the cabin. Allison, please tell me, who's going to survive this movie? Who will survive? I mean, I'm going to believe that both children will survive. I think Jean is kind of already gone. Um, And I think that um, Jessica Chastain, Annabelle, Mm. uh, will die, but but Luke Luke will live? Lucas? Luke? Husband? Okay, great. She'll have sacrificed, as all women must and all women should sacrifice herself. Yes. For her child. Yes. All right, great. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess. So IKEA makes storage affordable. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Fortunately, um, she also calls, Annabelle also calls Luke and he meets her. So thank God they're at least able to coordinate. They run down. They realize the cabin is just on the other side of the lake from the cliff where Mama leapt from in her life. And they run down, they run in through the cabin to the lake and Jean is staying there and Jean is a hollow husk. It looks like Mama like oh, just yeah. wore her skin and hollowed around. She kind of crumples backwards. Oh boy! Much like we saw Mama do, uh, much like we saw Mama do, they ran. They run up the cliff, and they run there just as Lily is running to Mama, who is floating over the edge of the cliff. So if Lily were to go to her, she would also plummet over the cliff. Yes. And right before she reaches the edge, Luke tackles her, and she screams and she fights him, but he's able to pull her back from the edge. Mama attacks them. Mm-hmm. Roaring, but Annabelle opens the box and offers her the bundle inside, the skeleton of her dead baby. Uh, yes, had to assume. And Mama takes it, and for a moment we see her face become a human woman's face, and she's sobbing and screaming. And it looks like she's going to accept the dead baby, accept that they are finally together and grieve. Yes. But then Lily calls to her, and Mama realizes, oh yeah, there's some actual fucking human kids I, I could have. These kids, right. 
and she literally throws the baby's bones over her shoulder. Oh, I was like, okay. oh shit! Like you don't want to see a ghost do that. No, you know? no, you do not. Allison, she rams her fist into Luke's chest and stops his heart, and he collapses. Is that what mamas can do? <laughs> I think mamas can do anything, anything they put they their hearts to. That's how strong a mama's love is. She attacks Annabelle and drags her up into the sky before dropping her. So now she's injured. And again, Annabelle, the human mother, the new mother is defeated. Mm-hmm. And Mama take, is about to take Lily and Annabelle over the edge of the cliff. But then Victoria stops. And we see that, you know, she's wounded, but Annabelle is clutching the edge of Victoria's robe. Mm-hmm. And Victoria turns to Mama and asks her to let her go. To let Victoria, Victoria wants to go. be let go by mother. Yes. Okay. And so she allows it, but not Lily. No, Lily is hers. Lily is caught in the sauce. Lily is like Lily is happy to be with Mama. Yes. And as Victoria and Annabelle plead for her not to, Mama takes Lily and envelops her in her shroud, which sort of plummets, like swirls around them like a cocoon, and then they plummet towards the water. Mm. And inside the shroud, we see Lily smiling at Mama with her mother forever. And when they hit the same tree that Mama smashed into, they burst into a thousands of black moths ah. and fly away. Oh, I don't like it. Luke luckily survived, having been having his heart I mean, stopped and being in a coma. He's had a and, rough, I know, couple weeks. And he hit, runs to them, and he runs, and the three of them sob on the cliff. And one of the moths lands on uh, Victoria's shoulders, and we see it's a beautiful purple and black butterfly. And she says, Lily, the mama. mama. Wow. That's the mama. Um, yeah, so I, I again, I, I've been um, thinking about how to use horror to talk about uh, different difficult topics because we that's just we just all have to be doing that right yeah. now, I think. Um, and forever. And of course, unfortunately, when it comes to motherhood, the, the unfortunate topic that is at the top of my mind watching this is abortion yeah. and sort of forced motherhood. The idea of yes. being made to be a mother. And yes. I'm not going to describe in detail, but I saw something this week. We were recording on Friday, April 21st. I saw something that I do think everyone should watch. I, mean, I don't know if you watched this, Allison. It is an interview with a woman and uh, about her experience uh, having... Uh, Losing a wanted pregnancy mm-hmm. and then and- going to request an abortion and knowing that the child would not survive. Right. And um, being denied, yeah. not only denied it, but refused any information. And yeah, and any care. Yeah. So, this is, of course, a woman in Florida. Her name is Anya Cook. Um, there is a, at the time, it was the 15 week abortion ban. I, I found a Jezebel article. This was published yeah. on April 10th. Yeah, they're down Four. to six or or yes. total. I forget what it's Florida six did. now. Yeah, it's six it's as six. of right now. Um, yeah, DeSantis signed six. I mean, Florida six woman is total, but exactly, exactly for anybody. Like Florida woman denied abortion, miscarried in her hair salon bathroom, lost yeah. half her blood. She had to go home and basically wait until she almost died. They said like yes. you may probably become septic. She had to essentially deliver her dead fetus child. in a hair salon when she was trying to live her life and then started hemorrhaging, barely survived. And yeah. this is a black woman. Again, like we alluded to earlier, this 
uh, you know, like mortal- maternal matri- mentality in this country for black women is horrific. horrific. And we are, of course, making it worse. And Florida is unconscionable. And I, you know, I... I understand that like we have a podcast that is about that is fun and funny and I love horror but we horror is also like how we talk about like the reality of all mm-hmm. this and the thing that really struck a chord with me watching this movie which look it's a B horror movie with Jessica Chastain in a yeah. terrible wig but there's a level of rage to the yes. conversation about motherhood this woman did an interview where she talks about her experience she's enraged and, and she, she should absolutely be. should be. And I think there is this idea that we're sort of like the good mother versus a woman who would have an abortion. Yes. That is a that is a piece of propaganda. That is a, a fucking false, fiction. Yeah, that is a false idea. It is not real. And and we can only again like we're locked into talking about these like these with these very um, strict stereotypes, right? Mm-hmm. About what a mother is. This was a wanted pregnancy. Yeah. This woman was put through hell, almost yeah. died for no reason right. other than the religious right could be smug and tell, yeah. pat themselves on the back and say they did a good job. I think we are obligated to hear those stories and obligated to watch them. Yes. Because otherwise, they are able to paint it like, oh, it's not that big a deal. We know it's a big fucking deal. Yes. We know it's this a kind huge of thing deal. shouldn't be happening. And this is not an isolated event, and there are stories yeah. just like uh, this woman's coming out of basically every state that has an incredibly restrictive abortion ban. Um, it is so shockingly common at this point that I believe it's not even part of the conversation in the way that it was immediately, like at the first uh, passing of Dobbs. It's awful. Yeah. And that's, you know, even having to carry an almost dying... Um, for an unviable pregnancy oh, is like as much, for, I mean, that's forced birth. That's forced trauma. Exactly. That, that yeah. is, that is, you know, that woman is of course not, you know, in the same terrible way that like some uh, people when they end up pregnant and then have a forced birth are then like saddled with parenthood that they did not ask for, but like also to be saddled with that kind of trauma when you are already losing something is just, yeah. it, it is absolutely inhumane. And it and, is uh, just punishing yeah you know, women, trans men, and non-binary people. It is just punishing their bodies. It is forcing them to a state of body horror for truly, like, to have have something so vulnerable forced upon you and then to have any help, to put medical professionals in a situation where they cannot help you legally. And I'll just say this, and I'm not a doctor, and I've never been in this situation, but I really do hope there are doctors who are not obeying these laws. I do hope that there are people who are receiving care, even if it is illegal. I, I, yeah. I again, I, I think that people are going to have to commit when when the law is unjust. People are going to have to become have to criminals. It's it just you know, and again, that's easy for us to say. I live in California. Mm-hmm. You live in New York. Yeah. I, again. I don't want to say it will never happen here because unfortunately we live in America. We can't possibly can't know the that. future. Um, and like, you know, we see the Mifepristone, you know, which the Supreme Court keeps kicking down. Actually, that was, oh, that's tonight. So again, yeah. it's Friday. They keep kicking the Mifepristone question because yeah. they don't want to fucking deal with it either. Right. When it should just already be dealt with. All this was dealt, dealt with, with and now we're dealing with it again. It was already dealt and, with. It was already, and it wasn't even accessible to everybody. It's not like under Roe we had pure um, yes access in the way that we absolutely should for all people who need it. Um, 
and something to do, I know everybody's like, well, what the fuck do you do about this? Um, I know some people want to be vigilantes and driving people around and be like, the best thing you can do is donate to the places that already do that. Um, abortion funds are specifically there to help with transport, transportation, lodging, accompaniment, food, and safety while people have to cross state lines just for access to health care. So, like, please, like, your local abortion fund, the abortion funds in states mm-hmm. where there are restrictive laws are, like, the number one financial thing um, to do in this moment. So that's a yeah. helpful thing. The Lilith Fund and um, the Bridget Alliance are two really fabulous ones. And obviously we're going to be talking about this because, unfortunately, um, this is the nature of— how we live, it is horrifying. This is horror that's being put at us for no reason. We've talked, like, and again, we talked about it a million times. All of this is tied to this larger fight for bodily autonomy, mm-hmm. trans rights, um, yep. the state of America's prisons yep. and the policing system. Like, all of this is the same thing where it's like, this doesn't have to happen like this. And in order to move past it, I do think we have to have these conversations where it is like, people do have to watch this. You should have to watch this woman talk about the worst fucking thing you could possibly imagine happening to her. That's her life. Like, that that is her life that she had to live through. And it happened exclusively because of these laws. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, her name is Anya Cook. She did an interview with um, MSNBC. You could Google it. Um, but yeah, um, that was it. I don't know. I just, uh, to watch this, I'm like the rage, we don't talk about women's rage. And I think this is a time mm-hmm. where, um, rage, positive, optimistic rage, uh, on our part and completely reasonable rage for anyone who has to deal with this in your state is needed. It's healthy to be enraged. Um, anyways, what do you think some fatal mistakes people have made in, uh, mama? Fatal mistakes. No, we say this at almost every movie. Like, no one's communicating enough what they're up to. Like, people being like, I'm just going to go investigate this. I'm going to go do this by myself. Um, I feel like there were several instances of that, specifically from the men um, in this movie. Um, I think also uh, not enlisting uh, help when tasked with taking these children and becoming a mama herself, like Annabelle, like, Get Jean in the mix. Get, like, other yeah. people, like, ask for help, and help should be available. Mine is Dreyfus, don't fucking go to the cabin alone. That Again, yes. that was his hubris, his scientific hubris. He wanted to have this, like, reveal that you could have a ghost mama. Yes. He wanted to claim it for himself, and he walked into a trap. Mm-hmm. And, again, um, hubris overweighting pride, always a downfall in all these always. movies. Um, and then where would you put um, mama on the spooky scale, Allison? Spooky scale. I mean, the female rage and forced motherhood of it all, of course, very scary, especially in light of kind of the uh, political climate in this country right now. Uh, also, Ghost Mama sounds fucking scary. I'm going to give it a, a six and a half. Yeah, it's, um, there are a lot of really excellent moments. I really, once you see Mama in full, you kind of, your brain's like, oh, I get it, it's Mama. Okay, yeah, it's that. But there's yeah. so many, uh, I feel like the first half of the movie is full of so many excellent, subtle, and when, boy, when you see those kids crawling around. I'm going to give this a five. It's right. it's more, I feel like, heartwarming at the end. Like, I feel like you get to enjoy a woman's journey, um, you know, with motherhood, uh, coming to terms with it, coming to terms with the ghost, mm-hmm. the mother that haunts mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with five. I'm going to go with a five. Yeah. I think that's um, fair. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, 
listening, everyone. Yes. And we're excited for mommy issues. Yeah, we got a whole month of mommies, mommies and mothers. So Yeah, we all got them. So um, I don't know. That's it. We'll see you next week. I guess all we got to ask is that you would uh, keep, keep it, it spooky, spooky, please. We love you. Mama. Ruined is a Radio Point and Crooked Media production. We're your writers and hosts, Hallie Kiefer and Allison Leiby. The show is executive produced by Alex Bach, Sarita Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, and recorded and edited by Kat Ayosa. From Crooked Media, our executive producers, Kendra James, with production and promotional support from Ari Schwartz, Kyle Siegelin, Julia Beach, Caroline Dunphy, and Awa Okalati. Follow at Ruin Podcast on Instagram and Twitter for show updates, and at The Radio Point and at Crooked Media for more original content. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home.